All right. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome to the Housekeepers Podcast. I could not be more excited. This is going to be a lot of fun and whew, can't believe I'm actually doing the Housekeepers Podcast again. Corey, you don't know this, but I started this podcast in 2006, wow. 2007, a long time ago. Back then? Yeah, they, it, was bra- it was really new. There wasn't a lot out there. And I started it because I was trying to figure out a way to, I'll tell you the brief story, the brief history behind the Housekeepers podcast. I was working for a management company in housekeeping and laundry. And I had to, I got promoted to where I had to train new managers. And I had no idea what I was doing. I had no idea how to train a new manager. I, I, you know, and you know, the advice I got from people above me are like, just get them to work like you work. I'm like, what the heck right. does that mean? Right? Like, that's the worst. Thing. You might as well have told me to speak German to them because I, you know, could have been just as successful. So I started trying to figure out where to get information, like share books, share videos. YouTube was, you know, was around. It wasn't all that popular, but it was around. And so I went on YouTube and I found a, I found a video called a fireside chat with an executive, and it was a woman in a business suit speaking in front, sitting in front of a fire and quite literally talking about like employee engagement and getting people, you know, the right packages and getting them in the right jobs. And I'm thinking to myself, I work in housekeeping in a 160 bed nursing home in a city. I'm dealing with theft, fist fights, arguments, yes. I drug use. I, I knew nothing about drug use until I started working in housekeeping in nursing homes. This is where I learned how to tell if somebody's on a different kind of a drug, if they're scratching, if their eyes are dilated, if they're constantly, you know, they're very sleepy. Like all, I didn't know, I was completely oblivious to this stuff. So I see this video, Fireside Chat with an Executive, and I'm like, there's no chance. my These people I'm trying to create, you know, making the managers, they would laugh me out of town. I mean, there's no way they want to see that stuff. And so I started having... My, my friend and I started to have weekly calls every week. We would just have like a conference call, no video, just a conference call with people who were trying to get into management and just talking about regular things we were seeing on a daily basis. Call outs, theft, accusations, eye rolls, attitudes. I don't want to work with her. I'm not working on her. You know, that kind of stuff. Oh, yes. And eventually I heard of this thing called the podcast. And I said to my friend, Adam, I go, we got to start recording these as a podcast. And he says, What's a podcast? <laughs> and here we are. And here we are. And the Housekeepers yeah. podcast was born, and I, we did it for six years. And I loved it. I got to tell you that I'm super excited to have you on as my first official guest back on the show because <laughs> the small interactions that we've had together, I find you very engaging and smart and hardworking, and you're I mean, you're a housekeeping manager. I mean, does it get any better than that? I don't think so. Appreciate that. Appreciate it. It's no I better than this. So. Absolutely. So I, 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 I don't know a lot about you, and I'd love to know that. You know, where, where did you come from? Did you grow up here in New York? I mean, we're both in New York City right now, just outside it. Yeah. Just where you grew up? No. Yeah, I, I grew up in Hollis, Queens, New York, and uh, I just. Um, I was working for mail rooms a lot in the uh, companies in Manhattan. I worked for Joseph E. Seagram and son. And my uncle, who was director of housekeeping at a, a place called Terrence Cardinal Cook, he came to me and 
he, me and my brother, I actually have a twin brother that does the same thing. That's really? amazing, right? Yes, yes. You'll meet him one day. I love it. <laughs> um, so he came to both of us and he said, you know, I see the talent you guys have. Would you like to be in housekeeping management? Of course, we jumped on it. And, How, old uh, How old were you? I was 24 years old. So what does that make your twin brother? Probably around 24? Yeah, Yo, he's like uh, 24 and two minutes older. <laughs> we actually both have a birthday coming up. Nice. Um, it was, and, and he saw it in us that this could be a business that we could flourish in. And we were housekeeping supervisors at Westchester Medical Center for uh, Crawford. Wow, very cool. Yes, yes. And and uh, Crawford was a good uh, uh, foundation because they send their managers away for training. You get a week of management training. You get a week of hands-on housekeeper training. So, you know, we were in the uh, uh, L&D department uh, cleaning up after the childbirth. We were stripping and waxing. We were in the okay. oncology. Like, we really got the real-world experience. And, you know, through that, I... Um, worked at different facilities. They would send me to different facilities to help to fill in. So I was able to absorb different systems and different things they were doing. And I eventually worked at Bronx Lebanon Special Care Center as a director of housekeeping. And I did not ever want to leave the nursing home field after that. Unbelievable. What? Let me ask you, because I too had that same transition where I worked in hospitals and then I started working in long-term care. And, and I agree. It is, there's a big lore is a big draw. Yeah. To, you know what it is? It's hospitals. It's very turnover, right? You, the only people you develop a relationship with are other coworkers. Yes. Where, and, and even that's a, you know, a, a big turnover, but in, in nursing homes, it's such a home environment. It's, yes. You can develop real good relationships with, with your customer base. You see them day after day. I think that's the big draw for me. Was that the same for you? That was the exact same for me because I've, I've always had an affinity for the elderly. You know, I, I would always be one to uh, sit down with one of the old folks and, you know, they tell me stories about when they were younger, how the United States was back in the 50s and the 60s. <laughs> and it, it always like, you know, intrigued me. And I would sit down and talk with my grandmother and grandfather about things. So that always drew me to the nursing home experience. and just it, it was a lot calmer of an environment because you know um the the uh, hospital was go 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 and this nursing home environment allowed me to think and to plan and to strategize and have reflection at the end of the day and that just was always intrigued me and helped me to you know keep it rocking and rolling i like that a lot i worked at a hospital and just to speak to the chaos piece because it's so yeah. key i worked in a hospital that and, and, and I think this is pretty typical. And, and, and when we see when I'm going to when we see it in nursing homes, it drives us crazy. But in a hospital, it's a real thing. And that is discharges and admissions happen constantly without notice, yes. without warning. And many times they're doing a discharge and an admission into the same bed, into the same room, on the same unit, on the same wing in the same minute. Yes. That actually happened a half an hour ago in my facility. <laughs> yeah, you must work there. Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And so at a hospital, you, you, you kind of expect it, right? Or yeah. you, you kind of, it, it's part and parcel. But when yeah. it happens in a nursing home, it just burns my butt. Yeah. I'm like, come on, we could do better here. We could plan a little better. And I think that my experience with that helped me here a lot because I was so programmed 
with having to get these rooms turned over, having to get them cleaned in a certain amount of time, um, but we can't cut back on quality. We yeah. still must clean and disinfect everything because we don't want to spread disease. Mm-hmm. So it, it just, it, it got me like a robot with this. So when I came in to the nursing home game, I just hit the ground running. I think it was very helpful. Yeah, I agree. That's that's super smart. I, so there was another hospital I was involved with in Pennsylvania, and they were having they're having a big problem with turning over not just rooms. Not it wasn't just a cleaning issue, but this rapid discharge any time of the day, admission any time of the day was very disruptive to all their services. You can imagine. I mean, that kind of rudimentary any you come and go as whenever you want that affects every department x-ray rehab you know the guys who are doing the cast but in surgeries all that stuff and so they went across the board i remember when they did it because when they did it everyone was like this is never going to work and it completely worked yes they put they started doing discharges at 3 p.m every day no later no sooner if you are going to leave the hospital today being discharged you're going to leave at 3 p.m Wow, but the yeah. day shift is leaving at 3 p.m. So that, that kind of... But it totally worked. It totally worked. And in housekeeping in hospitals, I mean, I don't have to tell you this, but most of our cleaning is done at night in hospitals. Our resident rooms are done during the day. Yes. Or, or our patient rooms. But most of the... We have most... We staff more housekeepers at night in a hospital than we do during the daytime. So just kind of part and parcel for the way it went. But 3 p.m., 3 p.m., no more discharges, willy-nilly. Everybody's leaving at the same time, which means all the admissions happened at the same time. Made it so much easier for us. So oh. much easier for us to manage. That's a good system. Yeah, it was really great. And it drives me it drives me a little batty because I've had a lot of conversations with admission coordinators. And, you know, it's funny. You sit down with an admission coordinator and you say, hey, how, how can we – how can we make this admission process easier? Because the last thing the admission coordinator wants in any industry or any nursing home I've ever met, the last thing they want is it to not go well. Definitely. The last thing they want is to roll up in a room that hasn't been cleaned. The last thing they want is to roll up in a room that doesn't have a bed in it. I mean, yeah. I've been there. We've we've legit gone into a nursing home, you know, an admission, and there's no... <laughs> I've been there, Rob. I've been there with the resident outside on the stretcher while we're trying to clean the room. Oh, I've been there. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. (laughs) Admission courts do not want this. Admission courts, social service, this is the opposite of what they're after. And so I sat down. I remember sitting down with this woman and she she was, you know, every time I sit down with anybody, they're always very apprehensive at first because they all, you know, they're always like, I'm either, you know, going to try to correct them in some way. Or ask them to do me a favor. Ra- you know. Apprehensive with Ralph? Yeah, oh, I, know. No. I know. No. I know. I know. <laughs> there's some, there's some letters out there. People like to like. Anyway, no, anyway. Um, so I, I and I'm just I'm just I'm just talking to her. I said, no, I just want to know how I can help. How can I fix this? How can we make it so that we get the notification of the discharge before it happens? Like, why? When's the last date? That kind of thing. And so she says, she goes, I'm going to show you something after some banter. She shows me the email and she goes, this long email gets sent to every unit manager. The administrator gets a copy. The director of nursing gets a copy. All the unit managers get a copy of this email. And in this email explains, it not only tells you when the resident's coming, estimated, but it also tells you all the medical equipment they need. It tells you the food preferences, the dietary, everything is in this email. I go, so what's the problem? And she says, nobody ever reads the email. <laughs> I'm not surprised. 
and there it is. And there you can communicate all day long, but if nobody's going to read it, you know. Yeah. And so then I had the dumb idea. I said to her because I'm so smart and smug. I say, "What if you put all the important stuff in the subject line?" And she just turns. She goes, "And how many words can you get in the subject line?" <laughs> That's a good question. I've never tried to make it happen like that. <laughs> Admissions, room changes, they've got to be the the one of the biggest challenges facing facing the operation side of housekeeping. One of the yeah, biggest they challenges. have to keep the beds filled and as people are leaving, they have to get people to come in. Yeah. So it's it's a challenge. It really is. It really is. What is your biggest what is your biggest challenge right now? What what are you is it staffing just generally or is it something more than that? My my biggest challenge now is um just uh that's actually an excellent question, Ralph. I to 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 continue to keep the people motivated because they're doing the same thing in the same rooms every day. So, you know, we have to keep them inspired to continue to do the same thing every day. So, you know, you try to meet with them, you try to huddle with them and talk with them and just always keep them included. What I what I learned from my training was to to always try to involve them in certain decision making processes to make them feel engaged. So like I'll have my waxer and stripper and tell him, listen, we need to get this this room cleaned out and done. Um, how do you think we should go about doing it? And I'll try it his way just to make him feel like he's part of the operation. I ultimately end up doing it my way, but um, you know, we want to keep them engaged. We want to, you know, give them input. So, you know, just keeping the staff motivated and on message is something that I'm always focused on as a challenge. Yeah. I got to tell you that. So I, I like how you put that. Cause I, I struggle with that too. And for a long time, for a long time, I thought my job as a housekeeping manager and I'm, and I, I'm full disclosure. I thought this way longer than I should have. Okay. But I thought my job as a housekeeping director, and I've been a housekeeping director for 20 years, I thought my job was to be a problem solver. I thought my job was to solve my housekeeper's problems. I thought that anytime a room change came up or we couldn't get into this complete room and so we had to do a different room or a resident was not wanting us to go in their room you know they they didn't want you know uh, we don't want anyone in there or something like that i thought that all of that had to come to me so that i could solve the problem for the housekeeper the housekeeper who you know is completely capable of managing their entire life but for some reason when they got into my nursing home i treated them like i needed to be there every step of the way. And you know what? I, I, I really did not do it out of, out of like anything against them more a, because I thought that was my job and B there was probably a lot of ego to that. You know, like I really kind of thought like it, I'm the Superman here. I'm the director. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I'm in there. I did not know how much easier it is and better it is to manage by suggestion rather than manage by my suggestion. I didn't know that until I was actually working. I was working with a guy and they were taking over a dietary department and they were talking about sandwiches not being made properly. And if you didn't oversee this group of people, they would not even make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich properly. 
And I remember just hearing that just in conversation. They're talking about how terrible the staff are. If you make any changes to the menu, you're going to have to go there and walk them step by step because they're not going to do it right. And we're talking about how to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. And I just thought to myself, I'm thinking like, when did I learn to make a peanut butter and jelly sandwich? I mean, I probably wasn't very good at it, but I think my mom, uh, in the beginning, you know, what, seven, eight years old. I started to started to run with a. She didn't let me use a butter knife, but I could do it with a spoon, you know? Yes, and yeah. I'd get in trouble if I got peanut butter in the jelly or if I got jelly in the peanut butter. You didn't want to do that, right? You didn't, you had to keep them separate. Right, the spoon, yes, yes. When you're seven, it's a little difficult, but you know, it didn't take me long to master the art of two spoons because then, yeah, you know. Okay. <laughs> so I'm thinking about this. I'm like, who could they possibly be hiring? Who could be possibly running the kitchen if this is their problem, right? So I eventually go down in the kitchen and I look and they're all my mother's age. All these uh -huh. women are 60, 50. And I'm like, they're not capable of making a sandwich. There's a disconnect here, right? Mm. There's a dis and it, it had nothing to do with them. It had to do with the approach that the dietary guys were taking that's how they saw the dietary department like they had to be in charge of everything that or, mm -hmm. or you know i mean the consequences if i'm not here and not in charge i mean the whole building will fall apart a peanut butter and jelly sandwich will not be put together properly you know <laughs> when yeah, i saw I them go manage all the time yeah i was like i think i'm doing the same thing i think i'm guilty of the same thing hmm i work on that and so that's, what did you do different, Ralph? What did you do different? So here's here's the thing that I did differently. So first, I did what you did, which is I and forgive me for saying this the way I'm saying it, but I did a little bit of lip service. Mm -hmm. I said, you know, I wanted to I want you to be part of the decision making process, and so I'll get their opinion. But you know, honestly, I already have my mind made up. I already know how we're going to do the job. Definitely. So I went from that. To going, how do you want to do the job? This is the parameters. This is what I know best. This is what it looks like. This is the time frame we have. Do you guys agree or don't agree? And somebody would say something like, you know, no, that's totally fine. Okay, good. Right? right? Like instead of, instead of, but if somebody did say, you know, that doesn't make sense. We should do this first and then this and then this. I'd be like, let's do it. Does it all get done still? Yes. Even if it's not my way, right? So, and then. I don't know. You attended my workshop, right? So I don't know if, oh, yes. if you remember on my, on my daily, I have a daily work schedule that I put together for my housekeepers. It's a checkoff list. And when I'm, when I, when I do it, I put the, the project for today and for tomorrow. Oh. And that's my big takeaway forever. I only put the, the job today. So whatever the project today is, that's what I'm going to give you because that's the job I want done problem is of course there's so many different reasons on why they can't get that job done right and yeah. so i'd go up i i'd go up and i'd find a housekeeper sitting out inside of a, a resident room just hanging out on their phone this is before cell phones they didn't have phones <laughs> they was hanging out I'm like what are you doing just standing around we ain't got time to stand around and the housekeeper would be like well i can't get in there yet this is my only project today and they're still working in the resident in there so i'm just waiting now imagine today I give them what today's project is and what tomorrow's project is. So now they go to the room that they're supposed to do today and it's busy. They solve their own problem. They go, well, I know this room's we're doing tomorrow. Let's do this one. I like, that. I like that. Right now, all of a sudden I just empowered them through simple communication, simple transparency, sh simply sharing more information. 
And now they're managing it themselves. I like that. If they know, if they know what your intent is, what is your intent as the housekeeping director? Your intent is to make sure that you provide a clean and safe environment for your residents. If they know that's the intent, there's I bet there's not a housekeeper you have that can't fulfill that intent. Yes, they can. They may not do it exactly the way you do it. They may not well, start on your end. Fast, yeah, it. but they get it done. But they, as long as they know what the intent is, I bet they're still going to get it done, right? Absolutely. How long have you been in this nursing home, the one you're in now? Um, I've been in this nursing home for three years. Prior to that, I was in the Bronx for nine years. What? Yes. And I, I just, and, and before I got here, I made two stops. And I feel like I did a little bit of commercial cleaning just to see like uh, the buildings in Manhattan, uh, 40 Rockefeller, 1211 Sixth Avenue, just to get a different uh, side of what the cleaning business was. And I feel like that, that little hiatus shaped me for what I got going on here now. Um, you know, you take different things from different experiences you've had and you apply them when you finally find a landing spot. And I think that was a big, big advantage to my career. You know, I, I recommend that. Like sometimes when you stay at one place too long and you've done so much, I was at the uh, nursing home for nine years. I had nine deficiency free surveys. Nice. When the, when the state walked in, I was like like a machine and, and, and the challenge left me. So I needed to kind of seek that hunger again. And I found it and now I'm applying to here and I think I'm a better man for it. That is so fantastic. I think you're absolutely right. And I think that's, if I had, there's there's a there's this guy named Mike Goldman. No, not Mike Goldman. Uh, I can't think of his name. But he has a, he has a he has a he has this whole platform. He wrote this book called What If. I know his name's Mike. Mike something. He wrote this book called What If, and the whole thing is all about like what if you could do anything? What if you could have anything? Right? Like what would that look like? And it, the whole idea of the exercise is to just explore what you might be interested in, what that next big thing is. And for me, if I had a what if, and this is, again, when I first started the House Heroes podcast, because it was very challenging to get people like you on my show, because you're a rare bird. Most housekeeper managers don't want to talk to me on camera, right? Like, they're, like, totally gun shy. They're like, I don't, I don't know if I want to actually be filmed and talking, you know? No. I thought, what if, what if I could talk to housekeeping managers from all over the world in all kinds of industries. Wouldn't it be amazing yes. to hear from somebody who cleans, you know, carnival cruise lines for a living to hear from somebody who cleans airplanes for a living, which I know a little bit about, by the way, I did work oh. with uh, JetBlue doing a little bit of JetBlue um, cleaning there. You know, the, the I'll, I'll tell you briefly about JetBlue because there's a bigger lesson in there for a long-term care. I think, JetBlue, when I first got involved with housekeeping for JetBlue, you, they gave us seven minutes to clean an uh, airplane between flights. Mm. So flight would land. You'd have seven minutes to run in with a vacuum, rag full of germicide. You know, you're straightening out seatbelts, pillows, that whole thing, right? Seven minutes. Not a lot of time between flights. And then eventually they stopped that practice. And they instead went to only overnight cleans. So now, I don't know about all airlines, but I know JetBlue only gets their plane cleaned by professional housekeepers at night. 
when the plane's no longer being utilized. So when the now overnight there's crews out there right now just cleaning cleaning JetBlue airplanes inside and out and that kind of thing. They're you're able to get more time. It's more of a deep clean, blah blah. So what is happening now at JetBlue between flights? Who's cleaning the airplane? Do you know? No, what is cleaning now? <laughs> Take one guess. You're going to love the answer. Oh, it, it's probably the flight attendants. It, you would think it would be the flight attendants. And Don't tell me the captain. It's not the captain. It's even better. It's even better. It's so, this is so fun. It's even better. When they first proposed the change that they were no longer going to pay for housekeeping between flights, mm-hmm. they put the onus of, of, the, care, of the cleaning the air, aircraft on the flight attendants. Mm-hmm. So now the flight attendants are going to pick up all the trash after everybody. They're going to clean, wipe down the trays. They're going to straighten out the, the seat belts and make sure all the pillows are put away, all that. The flight attendants are going to do that. Well, the flight attendants, first of all, lose their mind over it. They want no part of it. The union's involved. I mean, it's a mess. I'm going right? to say the union. You well, know what's this? Not talking about the union. Right, well, <laughs> it's just a fact of life in airlines and a lot of long-term care facilities, whatever. So the union gets, so it's a big knockdown drag out battle that the flight attendants, if you ask them, their, their job is not to clean up, pick up stuff off the floor, right? That's, they're not housekeepers, they're flight attendants, they're professional flight attendants, whatever they're called. Mm. But they are not happy about it, but push comes to shove, money, whatever, they're put in charge with it. So how long before, it doesn't take long, let me say this, it doesn't take them long before they're flying in the air. They're just about to land. And the flight attendant looks around and the airplane's a mess. It's a mm. mess. You know, it's been a three, four hour flight. There's stuff on the floor everywhere. There's garbage everywhere. And the flight attendant picks up the phone and goes, ladies and gentlemen, we are about to land. And before we do, you guys are going to start picking up after yourselves. And now okay. every single airline does it where the yeah. flight attendants will ask, please yes. pick up your area. The customer. And then they'll come through with the bags just for you to throw you. Yeah. The customer cleans the airplane between flights. Wow. Think about it. Now we have the customer doing it. It's smart. It's smart when you think about it. I say we get all those, you know, those little hand claws, you know what I mean? With a little gripper and has a little claw on it. We pass them around to all our residents. Yes. Ladies, because I know you you used to do some cleaning back when you were out in the community. Let's see what you got. <laughs> I, you know what? There's I I there's a lot of people in long term care that would get a kick out of it. Like oh, yes. not, they would enjoy the process. Hey, uh, you know, Mister Corey, it's your time to clean the hallway. Here's your broom. I'm sure you've come across some residents that have their own little broom and dustpan, and you, you see, in the morning you see them wiping down the sinks. We have them a million percent. You know what? I one of the one of the first. So when I started working in long term care, it, it did, we didn't have a dementia unit. So I was in long term care for a couple of years. I didn't have any dementia patients at all. We'd heard about them, of course, and we had some behavioral issues, but no dementia. And then I moved to another building and they had a lockdown dementia unit. And one of the coolest things I ever saw was two ladies who would spend all day folding laundry. They would be chit chatting with each other. You couldn't understand a thing they were saying, but they were talking to each other. They each had a basket of their own laundry. 
and they folded it and they folded it. Then the nurses would take them behind the nurse's station. They'd unfold it, bring it back. The ladies would go, oh, there's another load. And they'd just be folded. You know, it's just an occupying. It's therapeutic, yeah. Give them something to do. I was like, that is amazing. Then like two or three days went by and I was short staffed in laundry. And I went down. I was like, listen, those ladies, can they leave the units? <laughs> You're very resourceful, Ralph. You never let a good opportunity go to waste. <laughs> I wish I was lying. I'm not making that up. I really wanted to see if they would come down and do it. I like it. I like it. <laughs> I mean, you know, when you're in a couple hundred bed building, those those uh, washer those uh, towels and washcloths they stack up, and if you can get a, get some anybody to fold them, oh, is, is your laundry done on premises or offsite? So I've only experienced working with laundry offsite a few times, oh. not not often. Most places that I've worked with does it themselves, and for a couple of reasons. One, the cost benefit is right. The only time I've seen where it financially makes sense to outsource laundry is if you have a problem with wastewater. Mm. Like let's let's talk about Nantucket Island for an example. So I did some work on Nantucket Island. There's a nice housekeeper, a nice uh, nursing home out there <laughs> called um, Island Home, the Island Home on Nantucket. But Nantucket, because it's an island, you can't have any wastewater. So any all your wastewater gets pu- gets pumped out of your facility and put onto a ship, and then the ship takes it to the mainland. The mainland puts it pumps it into a truck, and the truck goes who the heck knows where and dumps it. So like it's a weird thing. Very. But so in those situations, and like maybe you even have that here in in um, you're in Brooklyn, right? Brooklyn, yes. Yeah, you may even have it here in Brooklyn where you may have you know, a problem, the city may be like, you know what, we're not going to take all the wastewater from washing machines, or it might be something like, so I've seen that kind of an issue where you we are restricted on wastewater, but otherwise I've never seen it less expensive or I, I've never seen it cost effective to ha- outsource laundry. Just when you do the math. I mean, yeah, I've, never been, I've never been on the financial side of it, but I always thought it uh, I'm sure it has its benefits in each way, but I know operational-wise, uh, when you wash in-house, it's less loss, you know, because the the clothing comes straight from the room, straight down to you, washed and folded, and straight back upstairs. There's no in-between, and there's not a company taking care of seven facilities, mm-hmm. and things get mixed up. So I'm... I'm Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Let me say I'm not anti. I think there are companies out there that do a really great job taking the laundry out and they're trying to keep track of thousands of pieces of linen and personal clothing. I think for the most part, they do a tremendous job. Yeah, I've run 60 bed nursing homes and still lost stuff. So (laughs) (laughs) I'm not lying. I've I've legit it's personal laundry is one of those things where it's 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 like um Everybody has the best intentions with personal laundry. Yeah. And that's kind of where we get wrong because like if a piece of personal laundry comes down to the wash, comes down to the laundry and gets washed and you don't know where, who it belongs to, our first indicator is to put it on the no name rack. No name rack. Oh, yes. Or the donation rack. Yes. And they keep it in the laundry room. 
And for a long time, because that's how I was taught how to do it. And then, you know, you'd have CNAs or LNAs or nurses or family members come shop because they would be like, you know, what the heck is going on down here? Let me go find my mom's clothes. I just bought her three shirts three weeks ago and now they're all gone. So they're going to yeah. try to rifle through and find them. And what I realized, well, for, let me say this. The, the first time I realized that it was a wrong process is I had two women come down into the service entrance and they were crying. So these two older women come down to the service entrance and they were crying and they were just looking for anybody to help them. And I was like, well, I'll help. What, what is happening? Their mom was upstairs actively dying, actively in palliative care, right? Like end of life care, which is what we, what we work with. Yes. And she didn't have any underwear. Oh, wow. And they didn't know where it was and they had talked to, talk to whoever. And they were, they, what, what drove me the most crazy about this, I might have even wrote about this in my first book, but what drove me the most crazy about this is that they were their, their mom's room was on the fifth floor. And so you can imagine these two women having to travel from the fifth floor to the basement mm. before they found me and I was able to help them. Like, how many people did they stop and talk to along the way? And nobody, nobody could help them get underwear for her, for their mom. And so, of course, you know where I went, right? I went to the no-name rack. No-name rack. The no-name bin. And I'm like, are these they're hers? And they're like, I, I think maybe. I'm like, well, close enough. You know, let's just get her on some underpants. And something, yeah. And that's when it dawned on me. Nobody in the nursing home who owns the clothing is in the basement, is in the laundry room. And so the clothes that come down that don't have names on them should not be kept in the laundry room. They should not be kept in the basement. It's much better to find a place up on the units. Yes. As a matter of fact, it's much better to make sure that we know what unit it comes from. So if we know it came from green, green unit, we can bring it back to green unit, whether it has a name on it or not. Mm, How much easier is it to find then, right? I like that. Getting personal laundry back to your residence has got to be one of the dumbest reasons on why we get a bad rap sometimes. Yeah, and it is the whole laundry laundry department in general is a challenge. It's a, it's different from the housekeeping and cleaning piece, but it is just as challenging as keeping the building clean. It has its it has its demons. Yes, it does. When when I look at and my friend Adam and I have this debate all the time about what is the most important. If we said if we broke down your what you're in charge of, Corey, I would imagine you're in charge of laundry. Yes. You're, you're in charge of floor care yes. and you're in charge of housekeeping. Yes. And if I were to ask you, which one is, you only have one person show up a day. One person shows up out of the 15 people who are supposed to, what job do you put them in? What's the most important job? I would have to put them in the housekeeping to get these rooms clean okay. and the floor care we can, we can get by. Yeah. So we're going to have to have a longer conversation. Housekeepers podcast. We're going to be here all night. No. <laughs> you tell me what's the most important. Don't I, I tell me laundry. You, I'm just going to give you my opinion. And that is exactly what I would say is Why? laundry. Because laundry, what we do with laundry is we provide the tools for nursing. Without laundry, nursing can't do AM care. They can't do HS care. They can't get people fed. They can't get them clothed. They can't get them showered. So they are in, they are on, they are 100% 
reliant on laundry. On the other side of that, if we didn't have that laundry component, then floor care is the number one most important to me in my world. Of course, I work in housekeeping. And when you're talking about housekeeping, and, and let me preface this because I think you had the same experience. I, I started housekeeping in condos at a ski resort. Oh, so, and I started when I was 16 and it was super fun. You wouldn't think a guy, a young 16 year old would have a good time being a housekeeper on a condo at a condo or at these condos at a ski resort. But I'll tell you something, a little secret just between you and me. Cause I know, I know nobody else is listening. Um, I was the only guy. You were the only guy and how many women were there? There, there was, there was about a dozen. There was a lot. Okay. place. <laughs> <laughs> hey, young Ralph. <laughs> not, only, not only that, but this is back, you know, this is back in 86, 87. Okay. And uh, we got to keep anything that the anybody left behind. So, and people were out skiing. This is in Vermont, which is where I grew up. People would, people who skied, at least back in the 80s, I don't know what they're like now, but they were the nicest people. They would leave, they would leave beer in the refrigerator. They'd leave bags of potato chips, cigarettes, vodka. I got the sweetest pair of sweatpants I ever owned because somebody <laughs> forgot them in a, in a condo. Really great. Anyway, <laughs> but when even at that early age, I was immediately drawn to the inspection. Like even cleaning condos, hotels, how you know, nursing homes, hospitals, there's always this inspection piece to it. And I know that there are some hospitals. And in some situations where it's important that you have to do an, your inspection involves some sort of UV lighting where you're, you know, measuring the, the parts per million microbial, you know, whatever on the tables, that kind of thing. But 99.9% of the time, you and I, my friend, are judged on one thing and one thing only, and that is appearance. Yes. And because we are judged on appearance and most definitely only appearance, what is the biggest, what, do, what does everybody see in your nursing home the most of? Your lobby. Your floors. Your floors, yeah. All your, your floors, floors. Your floors in your lobby. Your floors make up, <laughs> your floors, your floors make up, that your floors probably draw 80% of the attention from people walking into your facility. Yeah. I would say maybe another walls don't get a lot of attention unless not unless for it's terrible. It has to be really terrible to get attention. Yeah. Yeah. So walls don't get a lot of attention. Fans, fans get attention, especially if they're in a hallway and they get a, you know, they don't get any attention unless they're, they have a sweater on them, right? They're all full of lint. Yeah, you, you start mm -hmm. thinking this mindset of what exactly draws the attention. What, what could, I could fool you on a clean nursing home or a clean hospital or a clean hotel room if the floor was clean and nothing else was. Absolutely. I could not I could not I, convince I, you that the housekeeper that that the hospital was clean if the floors weren't. So I could take care of all the dusting. Do all the housekeeping. Every toilet in the building completely clean and the floors look like crap, you would never ever believe that the building was clean even if it were. So for my money, the first the number one job the most important job for me is, is floor care. The hmm. only reason why I put how, put laundry in front of floor care is because we have to deliver, you know, we need to pr provide 
laundry as tools for nursing. Yes, for them to take care of the resident. Yeah, your breakdown definitely makes sense. Yeah, housekeeping would be last, a distant third. But again, and I know that this is gonna, it, it, I'm gonna say it and it, it doesn't matter because nobody's gonna take my word for it or gonna do anything about it anyway. But nurses should, nurses should be more like flight attendants when it comes to <coughs> being short staffed. You should be able to go and like you, you got somebody down, you're down two staff members. That means two units and not being, they're not, they're gonna be very hard to be touched today. When I know where you're nice, going. Oh, yes. It nice if you could go to that nurse manager or to your nursing team on that unit and say, hey, listen, best efforts aside, I couldn't get somebody to cover this this unit today. Could you do me a favor with peace and love? Uh, don't drop anything on the floor. And, and if you do, could, could you just pick it up? Make sure your gloves hit the garbage instead of the floor. If, Absolutely. If you just did that for me. Just did that for me. You know what? When people walk onto your unit, they're not going to be screaming about how terrible it is. Mm. And I, I have this thing. I know that sounds crazy. I'm going to give you something even crazier. Wouldn't it be great? I'm just talking about personal laundry. Wouldn't it be great if we stopped having personal laundry socks? <laughs> I the think, socks always get lost. I, yeah. think they, I think they should outlaw socks. <laughs> yes, socks it should be like towels and washcloths and sheets. They should be provided by the nursing home. Yes. Nobody should bring any in. Yes. Nobody's going to sit down and label socks. Nobody's going to sit down trying to put socks together. It is the most, the biggest waste of time. Yeah. Oh, socks. Definitely time. Definitely time intensive. Yes. And you know what? You can do, you know, with socks, you can do, I'd be willing to go like, listen, I'll buy pink ones, blue ones, yellow ones, brown ones, white ones, black ones. And you just tell me what color you want. You want one of each, honey? Yes. One of each. How about the entire floor keeps one color? Don't care. And we do it like that. Don't care. Yeah. If you if you want white, I'll get you white. You want blue, I'll get you blue. They're going to be too blue. They're not going to be. They're going to be the same blue. I even I practice what I preach here. I'm not going to show you my foot, but I only have one kind of sock that I wear when I'm not in a suit, and I have one kind of sock when I do wear in a suit. I don't have brown socks and black socks and white socks. No, no, no. I have white socks for my running shoes, and I have black socks for my business suits. And they're all the same. None of, I, do, I, think I, can, I can get a matching pair of socks in my drawer with the lights off. I don't even look. Oh, like that. <laughs> that, man, that, that reminds me of something that you said in, in the training course really stuck with me. And it was something along the lines of what my uncle taught me when I first got into this business about how your appearance as a housekeeping manager um my uncle always told me if you're going to be the boss look like the boss and you said something very similar that if a resident's family member could come in and not be able to tell the janitor from the manager you have a problem you have a problem you you have to um you have to look like you're in charge they have to know who's in charge man that stuck with me yeah because it's it's true it's true yeah. I, yeah. And again, you know, this little tip of mine, and I appreciate that you got it, but this little tip of mine, I, I simply got wrong a lot. That's all that happened. I I had a housekeeper. I, t- I took over an account where I went, I was consulting and that's what I do. You know, I'm a housekeeper management consultant, operation consultant. And I went in and all the housekeepers were wearing nursing scrubs. And so I just brought it up. I was like, you know, 
As a matter of fact, I did write about this in my first book because I got punched in the throat by a 90 pound housekeeper. And she wow. cut my throat because she had, here, I even have one here with me. Do I have one here? I have an example. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Look at this. This is a, this is a scraper for those who are listening and not looking. Wow. This is a scraper. And when I first took over the nursing home, one of the big problems was nothing was being locked. None of the housekeeping carts were being locked. None of the housekeeping closets were being locked. And so I went to maintenance and I was like, hey, I got to make these keys up because we don't have any keys for all these. And the maintenance guy's like, I'm not making more keys. Every I made more keys. And they always lose them, blah, blah, blah. It's just I, said, hey, I said, listen, I got the great. I'm going to solve your problem. All right. You make me a set of keys. I guarantee they're not going to lose them. They're not going to take them home. He's like, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to attach them to a scraper. See, this scraper is a perfect tool for a housekeeper because you can scrape corners and edges. If green beans happen to get mashed into the floor, this will work. If somebody gets gum on the floor, you know, a scraper is a really great that tool. Station uh, block on yes, the end of the key. Yes, That's yes. the approach you took. And, and the best part is it's so big and bulky that you're not going to forget it's in your pocket and go home with it, right? Nobody wants to take this home with them. Yeah, and so we're having this... We're having this big knockdown drag out fight over uniforms because I go into this account and all the housekeepers are wearing nursing scrubs, which isn't so bad, except I saw one of the housekeepers in a resident room. A family member goes up and says to the housekeeper, how is my dad? So now the housekeeper should have known better and said, oh, I'm not a nurse. The nurse's station's right around the corner. But instead, my housekeeper, because she looks like a nurse and she feels better to be a nurse, decided to answer her. Oh, you're dead. No, he's good. I think he I think he fell the other day. No, it wasn't him. It wasn't him. Um, I'm like, no, you don't answer. So I was like, we have to make sure <laughs> that housekeepers look like housekeepers. Yes. Nurses look like nurses. Managers look like managers. And so I implemented this whole thing. And one of the housekeepers got very mad at me. And long story short, she told me I could keep this job. And when she did, she th tried to sh throw the keys at me and I ducked. And so she caught me in the neck with this, with the edge of the scraper. Oh, whoa. And it cut Were you working on Rikers Island at the time? Yeah. <laughs> I tell that story. I was telling a story to, uh, to this guy and he goes, and you stayed in housekeeping? I go, listen, if you're not in for the glory, you can't. <laughs> you got to be in it to win it, Ralph. There might be a couple of little cuts and bruises, a couple of little black eyes, but we're all the way in. <laughs> I love I've it. Seen, I've, seen some, I've seen some really bad, really bad uh, fights, you know, between staff and, and people are even just accidents and stuff. So if you... Don't work in healthcare if you're a little afraid. Of oh no, no, it's not for the it's not for the faint of heart. It is not for the faint of heart, indeed. So, uh, so what's next for you? So you're you're been there for three years now. Yes. You took a little stint cleaning office buildings. Yes. And so what are you gonna? Are, what is your next move? Do you have any idea? You you content where you are? What's going on? You know what? Right now, I want to. Um, I feel like I have a big challenge here. So I want to stay and complete the mission. I like you know, it. Um, we, we had, um, you know, housekeeping here before wasn't the greatest, but we're building up the confidence of the people. We, uh, um, we work good with nursing, the relationship. When I first got here, um, the relationships weren't good. Um, you know, it was almost like a, um, a, a wife 
who was being beat up by her husband for years, and now she has a good guy, and then a good guy comes, and when he tries to go and hug her, she she's ducking because she thinks she's gonna get in. So it took me some time to, you know, build the relationships and get the confidence of the team back. And now that I got that, man, we're here and I'm just rocking and rolling. It feels good. Hey, I had no idea where you were going with this analogy. That's all I had. That's the first thing that came to my mind. That's all I had. <laughs> it's all I had. Right off the top. So what you're saying is you're feeling pretty good about it. Feeling pretty good, you know. It's just to see where we've come, man. How far we've come, I and mean, it feels good. I got a good team. Of course, you know, you got a couple that, you know, you got to shape up a little bit. But overall, we got a real good team, real good, strong team. I have a great new administrator, and 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 I really want to get a couple of good, good state surveys. And we all here want to want to make her proud. That's awesome. I love yeah. that. I love yeah. that a lot. That's the mission. That's really great. That's really, you know what? That's that says a lot about your administrator that you're you're like, you know what? I'm going to do whatever I can to impress her and, and to make her happy. And whatever. Do you know what? Do you know how she did that? Do you, I mean, do, how why is she how, how how has she had that impact on you? And the only reason I ask is because whatever it is that she's done, let's bottle that up so we can drink some of that to get our staff to go, you, you know, know what? what? I'm actually observing her. I'm, a, I'm observing her style and taking notes. You know, it's 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 the approach. You know, she has a, a a unifying kind of approach to management, as opposed to I'm up here, you guys are down here. Listen, to everything I say. You know, it's it's inclusive. Um, we're not left in the dark about much. It's it's we're we're involved in the process. We're constantly being told what the goal is, what the mission is, and we're being spoken to and treated with fairness. Love and that's all we want. that. So we want for her. Oh yes, good for that's you. What we want. That's what we need, and we're gonna we're gonna ride it out. We're gonna make it look great. I gotta tell you, fairness is. I mean, that's the glue. That's the glue of all teams. Yeah, because if you. If you make, if you're asking all of us to step up and do 10 million more things than we ever were supposed to do, no problem. Let's all get in. We're all going to do it. Yes. But if you only ask me to do it and nobody else is having to be, you know, right, then it's not fair. And fair, oh. it's what it's all about fairness. Hmm. Fairness is a universal language. It can be understood any language you speak. How do you treat me? How do you make me feel? If I'm being treated fairly, I will, my work and my production for you will increase. You know, I, you probably remember I'm a big fan of stuffed animals. <laughs> yes, I remember that. <laughs> yeah, I have, let me, let me grab my, wait, I, oh, here we go. Here's my little, here's my little, my George, my monkey, George. And you just reminded me uh, of this, this, Really, it's it's a great story or a great study, but it's also a terrible one. And it's about monkey behavior and fairness. If you have monkeys and they're in cages beside each other, and if one monkey presses a lever, you teach a monkey to press a lever and they get a treat. And then you teach the other monkey to press a lever and you get a treat. But then you switch the treats up. So let's say the one monkey gets a sugar cube, which let's say that they love, and the other monkey gets a, a, a head of radish, or, you know, like a radish, which they don't love. They will, the, the one who's not getting the sugar cube will 
damn near kill himself trying to get out of that cage to kill you for being unfair. Mm-hmm. It, they, 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 if you gave them both radishes, which they don't love, they would be fine. Yeah. But if you because they're both getting a sugar cube, animals, you can learn a lot. You can learn a lot from them, absolutely. You can learn a lot from animal behavior. Because, I mean, we're no different, right? No, they're not too much. Yeah, fairness. Man, what a great, what a great way to end today's show is just highlighting how important it is when you're creating job routines, when you're communicating, when you're disseminating extra work, when you're asking people to step up. Fairness, fairness, fairness. Indeed. Indeed. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been a lot of fun. I really appreciate yes, you coming on, and and I I appreciate the invite, and I hopefully this won't be the last time because I'm here for you, Ralph. Won't. It certainly will. I'd love to have you on again. It's it's it, it's my favorite subject. I just love it. I love talking about management. I love talking about operations. I love talking about housekeeping. Same here. My wife gets annoyed. She wants to talk about something else. <laughs> yes, yes, I'm in the same boat with you there. Yes, indeed. <laughs> Yes. Well, I didn't really give much thought to how I was supposed to be ending the show or even starting the show because it's been so long since I've been doing it. But I just want to say that I really appreciate your time. And it's the biggest gift that you can give anybody is your time. And so I really appreciate it. And hopefully somebody is going to go, wait a minute. Hmm, that's interesting. Whatever it is, you know. There must have been something we said that was interesting. Oh, yeah, plenty of things. Yeah, definitely. And you're going to take <laughs> off like a rocket ship. See, I see it there. I see it taking off, Ralph. Yes, indeed. Yes, you, know, you know, it's funny. Uh, you, you, So you attended my workshop uh, a yes. couple months ago. Yes. I, have a, I have a company called the Standard Health and Rehab, and we train housekeeping managers. And what's – so I'm constantly, you know, meeting new people and trying to get people to attend my workshop and stuff. And one of the biggest things that I hear is how much people are just like, what do you mean housekeeping management training? That's a thing? Like it's 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 <laughs> yeah. such a rare thing that I'm so happy to be in the position to be offering housekeeping management training because it is so I don't think there's much more important position in nursing homes. I think I think housekeeping is just as equally important, is equally as challenging, and equally yes. as work heavy as the CNA work. Yes, I think we, we are the backbone. The We're the backbone. We are the backbone. I think we should be getting paid the same. I think we should be getting treated the same. I think that there is. I, I think CNAs are very valuable. By the way, I'm not yes, saying yes. they're not. I'm, Absolutely. I think Absolutely. what they do is incredible. I think that they are. They 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 are hardworking and they don't get a lot of credit themselves. They too are in that hierarchy of not getting the respect that they deserve. All I'm saying is housekeeping, laundry, dietary workers, we are just as valuable. We are just as valuable. Should be paid as much, should be respected as much, should be treated the same, yes. communicated with the same. Oh, Ralph yes. Peterson for president. That, no. Ralph, that is scripture. That is in the New Testament in the book of Ralph. Yes. <laughs> Write that down. Praise for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks again, Ralph. I appreciate this ride. It was a lot of fun, man. All right, brother. Be well. I'll talk to you soon. All righty. Mr. Corey Johnson. See you later, brother. <laughs> Over and out. Bye. <laughs>